Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about Brez Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like lighter medium roast? Then try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer darker roast, try the Critical Dark or the Coup Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. Forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to brezcoffeeco.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And we want to thank our Patreon, Tim Spivey. Thank you so much for your continued contributions to the podcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and it's crazy to think that we're just two weeks away from the return of Pensacon. That's right, Pensacon is back May 21st through the 23rd at the Pensacola Bay Center, as well as other surrounding venues in downtown Pensacola. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, you know how much Pensacon means to me. I have attended every single year. I think it's probably the coolest thing that the city does every year, and I don't think this year will be an exception, despite the struggles that have been going on uh, due to the ongoing pandemic. And I'm so excited to talk with two of the guests that will be appearing at Pensacon, actor Nestor Carbonell, who you might know from Lost and Bates Motel, as well as his wife, Shannon Kenny Carbonell, who just wrote a book titled All Is Not Lost, which documents the story of her decision to ultimately leave the acting business to raise her kids, to raise her and Nestor's kids, and also describes uh, their move to Hawaii while Nestor was working on Lost. And I'm very excited to read this book because I think it offers a very different look into the mind of someone who works in the film industry, and especially hearing their story and knowing how hard Shannon worked to get to her dream of being an actor and then making the decision to give that up for her family to me is a very insightful and in a way inspiring story. And I can't profess how happy I am that they came on the show to share their story and let me hear it firsthand. It's one of the most insightful and quite frankly, wonderful conversations that I've had in my seven plus years of doing this show. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I had being a part of it. And I'm going to talk a little bit in the outro about my involvement with Pensacon. I'll be doing a couple of panels, but I'll be saving that for the outro of this show. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nestor Carbonell and Shannon Kinney. 
Carbonell. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And this week, Pensacon Month continues here on the podcast. And I'm excited to welcome not one, but two guests, Nestor and Shannon Kenny Carbonell. How are you today? We're great. Thank you for having us on, Derek. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we're very good. Are you going to take uh, Kenny Carbonell now? I'll take Kenny Carbonell, sure. <laughs> I your maiden name. I, uh, I kind of like the ring. I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> the, the names flow well together. I, I think <laughs> it's the cuss out. Yeah, the cuh emphasis yeah. on the cuh. The go. Irish Cuban mix. That's there right. you go. <laughs> so we were just talking right before we started recording. So you guys will be at Pensacon in a couple of weeks, and this will actually be your first trip to Pensacola. So we're looking forward to uh, having you both out. And you know, we were also talking that it's good that the convention is actually going to happen because it's normally in February but was rescheduled due to the ongoing pandemic. And, you know, we're, we're all a go for, for May. So are you guys excited to make your first trip out to Pensacola? Oh, can't wait. We're so excited. So excited because we love the beach as well that we just love the beach and so excited to see, and we love Florida. Nestor has a ton of relatives there. And we've heard so much about Pensacola as well. I mean, as, as a city, I mean, it's, you know, you were mentioning how much it's growing and I've heard that as well. And it's just, uh, we're supposed to be incredibly dynamic and beautiful. And yeah, we're, we're dying to check it out. We, we have sort of a three-year plan potentially here in LA left because we have a kid in high school and we're looking for places to potentially move to. And Pensacola may very well be one. We can't mm -hmm. wait to check it out. After the convention, we're going to stick around and, and, and get a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, you know, a taste of, of Pensacola, whatever we can before we have to fly back. But also meeting all the people. I love, I love all the people on, on that side of the country and in the middle. I'm yeah. excited, I'm really excited. Well, that's what's great about traveling to different parts of the country is that you know mm -hmm. every culture and every state you know is a little bit different, and you get to kind of immerse yourself into you know places I've traveled to like Nashville, Dallas. LA, San Diego is great to just kind of almost get lost in it in yeah. a way. And it's, it's a really cool thing. There's even a difference between LA and San Diego, I think. Yeah. In, in people. Different vibe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And obviously San Francisco is another vibe altogether. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. This is a big state. Yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. your state has done everything really well considering this last year. I think you guys have, um, I think you guys have just done it right. And really it's going to be really nice to go there yeah it, it's been and i'm sure you guys feel the same way it's been a very interesting and different year i mean it's affected everybody so it, it's good that you know vaccinations are getting back up and we're being able to go out a little bit more and it, it'll just be good i think once pensacon hits to see everyone because there are people that i only see at pensacon every year so it's almost like a like a family reunion oh, that's so, so it'll It'll be cool for, for everyone. Oh, right. We're looking forward oh, to I'm that. So happy. Yeah. And I'm happy yeah. for you too, because yeah. yeah, that is a long time. And last year was, was such a bust for so many people. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, and, and for these kinds of events too. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. I mean, we just had to, we had to move virtually, which is great, but it wasn't the same. It's not the same as getting to interface and talk to, talk to fans and talk to other, you know, other actors and, you know, writers and creators. So this will be really special for both of us. And we've never done one together. One. 
Did we? Wait. Oh, no. no. That was, you we did, did Comic-Con. You did Comic-Con, and I came to visit you. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, but we did it separately. Yeah, yeah. so we've never actually never done one together, so this would be really fun for us. That's exciting. That, yeah. That's very cool. It, Shannon, you'll be there signing copies of your book, um, All Is Not Lost. And I, I wanted to ask you, because I haven't had a chance to, there it is. Yeah, All Is Not Lost. I, I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Aww, what was kind of the the inspiration behind you wanting to write this? Well, I wrote this book um, after I quit acting. Basically, I left acting to be a full-time mom. And as soon as I did, did that, I had a really big empty void inside of me. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was not to do with the kids. I was really fulfilled for the kids, but I really found that something inside of me was lost. And, um, and it was a really serious kind of lostness. And I just didn't know what to do. And it was oh, so many emotions of feeling guilty for feeling like that because a lot of moms don't get to be stay-at-home moms. And I felt super privileged to even be able to have a kid. You know, a lot of moms don't get to do that. But there, as soon as I left my career, which had been my, my driving force for so many years, I felt like I had no identity. I felt like I had lost the race. You know, I'd failed at my dream. But there was just a, it was a whole bunch of sort of self, self doubt and, and emptiness. And it went on for a bunch of years and I needed to figure it out. I needed for Nestor's sake, I needed for the kids' sake. It was a big, I had a big problem. And then we went to Hawaii where Nestor was filming Lost and we all had to live there for a year, had to. I mean, so I was feeling even more guilty because I was feeling like, you know, pretty crappy. And I started journaling the year that we were there. And for some reason that year was just this, amazing healing year where I didn't realize it, but I just started to take this, it was just a lot of credible adventure, uh, a lot of incredible adventures. And I met some people, I met some people I didn't even know, it was the land itself. There was just this journey as I was journaling that when I got back home, I realized that I had mostly healed. So I wrote about that journey and that's the book. Yeah. So the, the, uh, as you can see, all is not lost the cover, um, obviously the play on the word, but it, it's, it's a really beautiful, I mean, Shannon bears her soul in this book. It's a really beautiful and hopeful journey. You do make some references to the show, not many, but some, but yeah. it's mostly to do with, with your journey. And I, I want to see if you can see the little Easter egg. Uh, I don't know if you can see anything okay. under the plane. Uh, if you see the shadow of the plane. But, oh uh, yeah. I do see that. Yeah. Yeah, for, for the viewers. Yeah, it's a little yeah. easier there because Shannon talks about how she, not unlike the survivors on Lost, she crash landed on the island, you know, and uh, and so it's a, it's I mean, it's a gorgeous. It's really funny, too. It's not it's not just dark. It's very funny. And uh, and Shannon's getting a lot of, you know, and rightly so, a lot of praise from particularly a lot of women who have felt this way, you know, even though it's, a, it's a, her experience is unique to herself. It's really universal. A lot of uh, people who give up their full time, their, their passion in favor of uh, parenthood, they don't realize that they lose a piece of themselves. And until they acknowledge it and deal with it, it can really fester and really affect you. So it's a, it's a very relatable book and it's yeah. a beautiful book. She's done a great job. 
I think the connection to Lost is really that I was a big, big Lost fan. Before Nestor was on the show, mm. I was like a Losty. And, um, and so when he got on the show, I had to explain everything to him. Oh, I know. Because I had, it was before <laughs> TiVo was really a big thing. No, I was TiVoing it. You, oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, it I was know. on my TiVo list. I oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> but I, I couldn't watch three seasons before I went to the, because I got the job and I was like, okay, you're on a plane in, you know, two days. I was like, well, you got to fill me in. So you did. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like my number one show. I was touting the show to everybody. And so I said to Nestor, if you ever, ever get an audition for the show you have to do it you have to go and it's in hawaii and, and bring us with you. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all going and then it ended up being this one guest star that just grew into five years was it it was no it was four, uh, four years about four, four yeah. years yeah like a small sort of role in the beginning that grew and grew and grew to the final season that he was in every episode so we got to move so it was this thing but even when i got there i i I had to really remind myself to call the 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 cast members by their real names because I was like, oh, "Hi, hi, Hurley, Jorge, Jorge, Hurley, oh, oh my God, I love that. So it was really, really hard. So it was really hard. But so I did sort of get a little taken up in the island of feeling like I might be there in Lost. But you know, it was amazing because the island of Hawaii is really a bit like the island it, it's yeah. it's really spiritual over there and it's the, the land is very commanding and it's very you know i think from its original inhabitants um that just the people over the people there, there are just extraordinary yeah and they have a big connection to the land so you really feel yeah. something there and it was i just i i was very closely tied to the show it's not a tell all oh no 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 this is a, a this is the only thing you tell all is about, about you <laughs> well, well yeah you're gonna, you're gonna learn way too much about me that you may not want to know it's good but, uh, life. but it's but really it's about me but it's good yeah. stuff about it's about the behind the scenes of an actor too you know like and and the craft and, yeah, and all of that. that stuff um but yeah it's not even about me it's about oh, so many women it's yes, really about it is. so many women and, who are and, kind of scared to say it. Right, and men too who are now staying at home. What if, if you know the, the spouses, the, the other spouses of breadwinner, men too who are in favor of parenthood. Yeah. But yeah, mostly a lot of women. You're it's right. Just about a lot of people whose life, you know, whose life really goes the way they want it to, and it's about right. the pain of having to pivot. Yeah. And figure it out. It's about that time in between, that time when you're kind of lost, about like, oh, like that, who am I? That that, yeah. that hard time. Yeah. So that's when you bring up a great point, because a lot of people don't think you when you think of actors or those who work in film, I mean, they are regular people, too. And in your case, having a family and raising kids takes a lot like you sacrifice a lot. And people don't think that actors, especially and those who work in film and TV, that you spend so much time on your craft like it's it's an all consuming thing. Right. But you yeah. still have to worry about the home life and the family life. So I, I think that's I think that's great that you you touch on that, because I feel like that point specifically is is not brought up a lot when it comes to discussing those who work in film and TV. No. And, and most actors, it takes we will we trained. I mean, I went, I went to four years of theater school and Nestor did tons of training. And then it takes, like on top of that, it takes a good, unless you know people, we knew nobody. 
um, because there's a lot of nepotism in Hollywood, but that's fine. That's great. Because we hope to give that to our kids if they want to get in. <laughs> but um, it really takes a good four or five years on top of that to get yeah, in where you waitress and you, you yeah, know, we clean would, houses I mean, and stuff. How many waitressing jobs? I did 25 waitressing jobs. And I wow. houses and um, cleaned homes for how many years? Like a year or two? two yeah, about a year and a half. Yeah. And you know, so you've got those added on and you're auditioning. Yeah. And so it's a long, to get to be on a set and work and now be able to quit your jobs, your other jobs, that's a pretty long process as well. It takes a while, yeah, for anyone interested in, in it's a great business um, and, and it's tr it, how you navigate it, especially the downtime, that, that's the tricky stuff. You do talk about that in the book a, a bit as well. Sort of your journey into acting and all of that, you know, what you had to. Shannon uh, came here to this country from Australia with no resources, got into Juilliard, but couldn't afford it. But could you could you had you won the scholarship after you, you could afford it from the year of the, of the money you made in a soap opera in Australia to pay for one year of Cal Arts. Yeah. And then you had to win the scholarship every year after that. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it was a lot of sacrifice, particularly for every actor, but particularly for what you did. So many. But yeah, yeah. For some and people. actually people let's face it the, and yes and the crew immigrants yes well, for, well i was an immigrant so it was but yeah everybody actually this is a great country but you gotta work hard no doubt the crew i was gonna say because I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up that point up derek about you know understanding i mean we had an amazing crew some were local which were, were, were just amazing and it was incredible seeing them sort of grow from position to position on that set from like you know a pa to you know, to someone working as a gaffer. I mean, I remember, you know, Tori uh, uh, was our, um, was our uh, camera operator by the end of the thing. And he started out as an intern, kind of like sort of shadowing. That's so was, so people, the, the crew was, was, uh, was shepherded along, but also some of the crew came from LA and other parts of the country. It was tough, tough on a lot of them because a lot of them, you know, they would leave their families, you know, here in the, in, in the mainland. And it, it, yeah, there was, there was a price to be paid for that. So, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of sacrifice. I flew back and forth for the first three seasons I was on it, you know, season three, four, and five. Um, and then uh, finally in season six, the whole uh, family moved. So Shannon, I mean, that was not as bad as some of the crew, but I was sometimes there for five weeks at a time, you know? So after a while, you know, you, know, you, you, you start to feel it at home for sure. You do. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of works moved out of LA too. So yeah, it, does, it gets hard. Well, that's the, a great point too, is that, you know, so many conversations that I have on the show are with people who now don't live in LA because you okay. can really make films anywhere. You can, you know, I know filmmakers in Memphis. I know some in Nashville, uh, Michigan, New York. And that's the great thing about the evolution of the industry is that you don't have to go to one central location to make it happen because people make some incredible work with just an iPhone. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's just as easy as shooting it with your phone because anybody can run a camera, but it's different. I, I use this analogy with photography. Anyone can take a picture, but it takes a special someone to take a photograph. Wow. And it's the same thing with film. So it, it's cool to see, you know, the, the evolution of the industry and, you know, those who are like me that want to work in it, it makes it easier that, you know, I don't have to move all the way out to California. No, you, you certainly sure don't. don't. In fact, it's almost, well, what happened with California is that it, 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 you had to be here when we were coming through. Yeah. Everything shot here. 
And then um, it just, there were just the incentives went away. So it actually hurt a lot of people in this town, yeah. you know, the, the, the delis and the restaurants and all the, the little businesses around the studios too. That kind of, that, that all died away. But then the beauty of that is that we went to the South and where they have the best crews, by the way. I just love the crews in the South. And, um, and then even, you know, and then the films, I think the films were always overseas, but, but actors got to live in other places. And yeah. that's, you know, that's I think what maybe we, we want to do too. Yeah, we, that's what we want, we want to explore is like we were talking about before is just, you know, like you said, we don't, we don't have to be here any, any longer. And now with, it's interesting what the pandemic has done in terms of Zoom, what we're, what you, what we're doing now. Uh, whereas before you had to go in studio to do certain things. Now auditioning is on Zoom for people who have to audition, you know, submitting tape, meetings, you don't have to fly anymore. You know, you know people are just making do with, with Zoom. Um, so, you know, you can be anywhere essentially, you, if, as long as you have your laptop, you can, uh, you, that, that becomes your office. And uh, with the exception of shooting the film, um, but you're, like Shannon said, the incentives, I'm hoping to do a film in Vegas, you know, because the incentive there is so great, hopefully this summer, um, you know, and everything is, you know, in Atlanta, I mean, you know, there's another film potentially there as well. So, I mean, everything's moving out of, out of California for sure. That's great too, because then the pool of talent is just wide, like, mm -hmm. like, like you. And, and I think that's just amazing. Let's pull it all in. Let's find it all. Yeah. You know? And technology has been a great equalizer. Like you said, I mean, I'm not saying you necessarily want to shoot with an iPhone, but there was a film, I think, at Sundance that was shot on an iPhone. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I, I'd heard. I want to so, do one of those classes where you can do a little class online and even just learn how to take amazing photos with your iPhone. Because yeah. yeah. I'm still taking bad ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's... And you mentioning Zoom, you know, like with this podcast, I haven't done an in-person show since... February of last year, but it makes it so much easier to do it virtually. You know, I've gotten used to staring at a camera or staring at a screen with, you know, in this case, the two of you on it. And I, I think it's going to be around forever, even with, you know, like you mentioned with auditions, the COVID has changed everything forever. Yes. And I think the virtual option will always be there, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think so at all. I feel sorry for young workers though, you know, young office workers right. and because there is that experience of going and the older people have had it, but, you know, going to a big office when you just first start out or right. not that we ever did that work, but that, that, that would be yeah. exciting to me. And just to meet other people. Yeah. yeah. Sort of the, the notion of interfacing, you know, I think office space is going to come back, you know, but I, to what extent, you know, uh, you know, you're right. Will, it, will there be as many meetings as there used to be? Probably not. That doesn't need to be, you know, when we can do it virtually. I'm so much, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you, do you miss something having people in the studio with you? Do you find that something's missing or what are the benefit loss? What, what, what's the. Well, the, the pros to interviewing someone in person is, you know, they're sitting right across from you. You can, you can almost read their body language in a way, yeah. like when they want to talk or they have something to say. So I'll know when to stop asking the question and just let them, let them talk. And you know, the, the interaction's a little bit easier, but I, honestly, I've gotten so used to virtual that it's yeah. almost like second nature now. Yeah. And it'll be shows like this that wouldn't be possible in person because we're 
on the other side of the country. And that's the advantage to virtual is that, you know, I like earlier today, I interviewed a filmmaker in Canada that wow. wouldn't have been possible if not yeah. for, for technology. My, my one regret with Zoom is that I didn't buy stock in it right before the pandemic. <laughs> I, know. I know, I think that's I everybody's regret. Huge. <laughs> It, this, it, the, it's not good for kids in school. No, that's no. already established. But other than that, yeah, yeah. I mean, and with one thing, you know, I'm trying to sell my book and it's mostly on Zoom, yeah. but it's harder to get, do podcasts because it's available, everybody's available. Mm. And so for a podcaster, it must be amazing because you will get m much more access to people that normally would be flying that day so oh i'm i can't do it that day you know and so there's much more availability i would think and that's definitely one of the the advantages to to doing the show virtually so there, there's pros and cons to both but you know like i said i've gotten i've gotten used to the virtual aspect yeah. of it but i did want to backtrack a little bit with, with both of you and shannon we'll start with you what was it that initially made the two of you want to get into the acting world I wanted it. I was a little, a little ballerinist when I was three. And I just, I don't know. I just had it in me. I wanted to be an actor since I was nine. But that has its pros and cons. For me, it's kind of in my book. I was pretty single-minded. Um, I basically realized that I was getting, I would be too tall to be a ballerina. And the Australian ballet had, height requirements and I was like a tall little girl and I just it was just a natural thing for me I love making up plays I read books and books and books and I just you did a stead first right oh yeah I did so a little it's an Australian competitions acting yeah, like competitions little, yeah I just I don't even know what made me want it which is sort of why I, why I questioned it um as of when I quit I it was it was a, it was almost like it was in me before I chose, which I think that's problematic in a way. What do you mean it was in you? Like it was just. I don't even feel like I chose. I just. Well, isn't that a good thing that it was just sort of instinctive that it was just like. Yes. You had to do it. Yeah. And I must admit my first day, I mean, I went to theater school. I knew I loved doing theater and we did film. There was a film, I went to Cal Arts and there was a film school in there too. And I, I liked doing movies, but I did my first everything on a pilot. And I was really nervous the night before to go thinking, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I can't do theater because I'll just make nothing. So I better really enjoy this. Right. So the first day I was nervous just to do the job, but I was also nervous like, am I going to enjoy this? Am I going to like this process? And it was such a relief when I just loved it. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God I like it. Good, good. <laughs> so <laughs> I really did like it. But um, I was nervous about film and television because I grew up doing little theater. Like I just, I never did it professionally, but our little, um, you know, my little neighborhood had a theater. And so that's all I did. But I, I love doing film and TV even more, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, when I met Shannon, yeah, it's interesting. At that point, I was we were in our mid twenties. We, we met on a show called Muscle. This thing, it's a show that launched, helped launch the WB. There were about four shows. This is before the before the CW, which absor absorbed the WB and UPN. 
And, uh, but when I met Shannon, we were mid twenties and I mean, I was ready to like, you know, I was like, man, you know, I was thinking about asking you out and your <laughs> focus was completely on acting. I mean, it was like, it was like laser focused. And I didn't know as I, as I got to know you, I realized why she, you'd given up so much yeah. to, to, to get there. You had left your country at 18, didn't look back. You had no money. You had to, you had to, you know, you had to make do with whatever you could, you know, with that, whatever odd job you had, cleaning houses, doing, you know, waiting tables, whatever it was. So it was everything to you. So when you gave it up, it was just, I mean, I knew how much, how painful that was. For me, it was different. I, 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 I stumbled into it late in college. I took an elective where the, the teacher intro, uh, introduced this book, uh, Seinfeld Me- uh, Meisner on acting. And I started reading it and I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. Was, was that in an acting class? Yeah, it was, it was the only acting class in that school, you know, and in college. And okay, was, so Nestor went to Harvard and Harvard. then to his parents' dismay, became an actor. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. No, they were great. They were, it was, it's interesting because if our kids drop that bomb on us, you know, we don't know what they're going to do. I would be fine. You would not. No, I am. I'm going to be, I mean, what can I say? I, I have no leg to stand on. I mean, look what I did to my parents. So, I mean, I, I yeah, worse. I mean, what am I going to do? But, but uh, for me, there was only one elective at the time in, in the school. And I think there's been, there's, there's much more of a program now. And it was this one class, but, but the teacher, David Wheeler, he introduced us to this book. And I was like, I read it and I go, wow, that's kind of cool. And then I had that proverbial first moment on stage where you connect with someone and you just forget that there's other people around. You know, we had that real moment just in one moment. And I go, and it's like a drug. And I go, wow, I want more of that. I didn't know this about you. You did? I didn't know about this first moment. Oh yeah. I remember that moment. I'm going, I don't know. I don't know any, I don't know that there's anyone else here. Where, what play? No, it was a scene that we were just doing scene on, you know, in class. And I was like, this is incredible. So I wanted- Was it with Matt Damon? Matt, yeah, Matt Damon was in class there because he was there. But no, was wasn't, he in the scene? It wasn't with Matt. No, it was just another scene partner. But I knew at that point that I wanted to study it more. So once once I graduated college, I, I made a point of studying that technique for two years out here in LA, and then and, and continued to study it. And that's that's how I got into it. That's so. a hard technique too. That is a gut wrenching minute to second to like people who do Meisner work really really hard um and give everything of themselves so it's a, and, that, and that's Nestor too it, in anything really but you really learn to tell the truth well I mean there's so many great techniques and you learned so you, you learned you, you learned some miser you, you, you know yeah, you did you did it, yeah. I'm just saying that's a lot of work that you do yeah it's a specific technique but there's so many other ones that are great ones, you know, Stout Adler, Strasberg, you know, there's any combination of, you know, uh, Clurman, you know. So, and what I learned from, it's interesting the things you learn from each other in terms of techniques, you did a lot of backstory. You would mm-hmm. write a lot of history on your characters. When we, when we were, when we finished this show, Muscle, we were auditioning and you would fill notebooks. You talk about it in your book, mm-hmm. notebooks on history of, of your characters. And I was like, I can get behind that. So I started doing it too. You know, essentially <laughs> sort of stealing from Shane. We're such nerds. Nerd. <laughs> Not cool at all. No, but that that's actually really fascinating is building a backstory of the character that you're playing. Like that that just shows dedication. Like I think any director would want that out of any actor. And that's also what I respect 
one of the things I respect the most about actors is that you have to put so much of yourself into playing someone else, meaning that you, you have to be emotionally vulnerable at times, whether it's you know, pure anger or sadness where tears are flowing because this huge emotional moment has happened. Like, I can't do that. So I respect other people that do. Like, I, I respect the you know what out of acting. Oh, oh that's, that's, that's awesome. really great to hear. Thank you. Is that when actors get a bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when actors are willing to go there, and it's, you know, we were just talking yesterday um, to Anne Heche, because uh, she does a podcast, and uh, we were talking about, like, finding the truth. And the truth can take you anywhere. Because it can take you to really weird places and the character can react in a way you just don't even realize. And then the actor's making such interesting choices if you tell the truth, yeah. the backstory of your character. And, but that means digging really deep and knowing, and yeah, like knowing the fullness of the person without bringing all the homework on to the set or the stage. Um, but just being full. Having done the homework, you hope some of that sticks. Yes. You know, the history sticks. And what Shannon said, you, you brought up the word truth, what we talked about with Anne Hage too. It's, it's a lot of people think acting is just lying, lying well, but it's actually the opposite. It's, it's, it's being truthful under imaginary circumstances, living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So if you hear our dog, <laughs> that dog is living truthfully under our table. Donna, stop. Anyway, sorry. But, no, you're uh, good. But, but that's, you're right. And, and, and I remember even on Lost, I remember writing so much history because we had to, here, I'm just gonna show the book one. Oh my we God. had to, <laughs> we had to, even though this is not about. Okay, all, right. all right, but on, on the show, we, I would write a lot of history because we were only given so much material. So I would, I, I would get a script and I would just, I go, I don't know why I'm saying this. And I don't think they're gonna tell me because of the mystery is out, you know, with the show. The directors didn't know much more than we did. You know, they knew a little bit more, but not too much more. Um, so I would have to sort of lean in on your technique and I would just write mounds of backstory to make it sound, to, to justify what I was saying yeah. a lot of the time. Because it would tell us emotionally why we were feeling a certain way, but they wouldn't tell us the logistics behind it. And so, and then I would get the next script and realize I was completely wrong. But, you know, it's okay. but it didn't matter because nobody knows what no, you're thinking. No, exactly. As long as you commit, that's all that matters. And, and that's the important thing. It's just to commit and trust and trust the director emotionally. It doesn't mean you have to, do, you only have to do the backstory on what you're saying. Right. Or, or how your job is in telling the story. Like your job is only to service, surf, uh, service the story. And that can, that's where sometimes, sometimes very big actors, actors with ego, who are very few. I mean, you know, the problem actors and it is the few. They forget they are servicing a story. Right. Yes, now they, they're important because people want to see them. That's amazing. And they will green light a show and they should get paid tons of money because they're the draw. But on the set, they ju they're just servicing the story. Like we're all servicing, we're, we're, we're a second we're sort of second tier creatives. We're interpretive artists, actors. So everybody should be doing their part. Yeah, we're all, we're all cogs in the wheel. That's uh, right. We're cogs in the wheel of a story that, that it was created by a writer. And mm -hmm. we're all in service of that writer to tell the story. Whether you're the lead or a, a small player, you're all in, in, you know, in service of that effort. And that's really our job. You know, mm -hmm. As long as you stay focused on that, 
you'll be good, you know. And, and everybody that does, so every actor that knows that and you're all moving to do that and connecting, like what Nestor said, mm -hmm. when he felt that connection on stage, connecting is part of that. It's like you're all little wires of electricity mm -hmm. and, and you're servicing that writer. And, and when it all connects, yeah, it's, magic. it's magic. Yeah, It's like, you get to you get to go in this. You you are the mind of that story, or you're the you're the little you're the little you're in the little box of the story, and it's fun to be the little play figures. It's yeah, fun to be playing, especially those ensemble scenes when you have five or six actors, you know, that have been working together for a while, and they're just sort of playing ping pong with each other emotionally, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of batting back and forth, and you're like, wow, that was a good take. We were all in it, you know. Yeah. And that, that that's where the magic happens, you know, you know, on set. Yeah, that's kind of what I missed. And that's exactly that's what I missed. When that's I what left. you gave up. It was like all the sparkle and the joy of that magic and the preparing left me. Yeah. And I felt really dead. Mm. And yet I had these two beautiful kids right. and who gave me definitely other joyful sort of other stuff. And it wasn't about what they gave me. I was actually giving them. I was in service to them. So I felt like it's such a brat for missing all this other stuff. Anyway, it's a book. No, 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 it's not, but it's important because it's interesting. It, and I think I was trying to figure out why, you know, what, what's behind this. And to me, it, it, it's as simple as the fact that we, we, we raise our kids in the same way that we were raised to shoot for the stars. So what happens when, you know, you've, you've been raised to shoot for the stars, you, you have two kids and you give, it, you give up your journey for, to the stars in favor of raising the two kids exclusively, and as you're teaching them to, to shoot for the stars, it's going to do to something to you personally. It's going to, it's, it's like you stopped yourself short of this thing that defined you. And unless you acknowledge that, yes. and, and, and you don't have to be an actor to feel this. I mean, this is anybody who has any kind of career, dream, and aspiration. That you suddenly pivot. You're like, I got to give it up for the kids. I'm grateful that I can do this exclusively. Don't have to hold another job. That's amazing. And yet a, a, a part of me is somewhat dead now. Yeah. And until you acknowledge that and deal with it, oh my, it can, it can create a lot of problems. It can. That's right. It's like that old saying the first step to solving a problem is acknowledging it. Acknowledging right. it. So, uh, Shannon, do you feel like you writing this book almost became your creative outlet instead of acting? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's sort of the ending. It's like kind of like, well, don't oh, give it all it's away. Not the ending. <laughs> it's not the ending. There's no ending. The whole book is the journey. Yes. And I didn't want the book to be like, and I woke up and it was all a dream. <laughs> no, it's not. You know? no. But yeah, of course, that was, it was it. It was like little, but really the year was different. The year was, I was not writing, I was journaling. And I was just yeah. bringing all these things back in my life that I was so tunnel visioned before th that I had forgotten. And things from just little things. And I don't want to give the book away, but I was going on lots of adventures and, and I started seeing signs, <laughs> you know, I got, a bit, I got a bit into the lost world, but yes. And you know what? I was punishing that little nine-year-old for being so tunnel visioned. I was like, what did you do to me? You put me in a cult, basically. Mm -hmm. like, I have to be this actress. And I was like, damn her. And yet you still have to kind of say, apologize to her too, yeah. because you didn't make her dream come true. So, yeah, so even as you're mad at her, you almost have to embrace her too and be like, I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry I didn't live Yeah, that. that was one of sort of the steps. But yes, 
So exactly. It was like once I let back in all the things that I had denied myself and it was a ton of different things. And so I don't want to give the book away in that way. I realized, oh, of course, in the end, this makes me kind of emotional because I really value what you want to make your living at and what we do. Of course, I denied myself that space of creativity. I just thought that's it, it's over. And um, if you are creative and you can't kill that inside of you. And I was like whipping her and saying, fuck off. And um, I was really cruel, you know? And um, so in the end, I just thanked her for all these amazing things. Like she allowed me, that little girl, to come to America. And I was from a tiny little beach town in Australia and, and, and my parents, you know, they were, uh, I feel really weird. No, don't, <laughs> baby, don't. Listen, and, and let me tell you something. Shannon really bears her soul in this book. And, and, and not to cut you off, but, but no, I, no, I, I don't think you have to be a creative person to, to feel the need to fill that whole creative no, Because it, it, you know, you could be any, we, we know uh, other, other moms <laughs> have given up you know, medical careers or here's your emotion. <laughs> <laughs> this is Donna. Meet Donna. Donna, you gonna behave? Um, but yeah, you know, it's not. It's it's. Well, Shannon's experience is singular to her, obviously, and unique to her. That you could be anything. You could be. You know, you could have a passion for whatever it is. You know, community service, whatever it is. And if you suddenly have to give that up. You you have to replace it in some fashion. You know, or at least, like you said, acknowledge it first. And however that filled you, you have to find a way to sort of fill that space, you know, and if you don't, at the very least acknowledge it, you know, um, you know, it, it can really eat away at you and it did yeah. for years. I was just determined to kill, kill that part of myself. And then I just, realized, and I'm glad you didn't. No, you, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have still been feeling like what if, where I would have felt that big hole. Yeah. And anyway, so it was a really good lesson. It was like, Oh my God, of course. My job is not to kill that part of me, it's to thank her. Yeah. Even if I didn't make that little girl's dream come true, it was to say, oh my God, look, I found Nestor. My kids are American. And like we love, of course I am Australian too, but look at what I was able to give them. And, um, and, you know, one of them is like a composer now. We don't even know where that came from. Neither was the musical. <laughs> we're not, we're untoned up. And um, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, she gave me so much. And that's just the tip of it. Yeah. The book too, there's all other, <laughs> like I made myself this vow, whatever, it goes on and on. But, and it all sort of just, it just sort of, as the book kind of just came to, it just sort of wrote itself in a way it was like life did that for me too. And it was being in Hawaii. It was the, it was the distancing myself from Hollywood and all that. For sure. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that, is, that is a good way to look at it is that had it not been for that part of you, you wouldn't be where you are now. No way. No way. That year was a gift in so many ways. Um, you know, professionally for me, there's no question being part of that show changed my life. What it did for you unquestionably was was life altering, you know, oh, it was. and for our kids, you know, they were little at the time, but, you know, re adjusting to a new life, new school, you know, those are, those are valuable things that, you know, a lot of people don't 
they don't get that opportunity to, to test themselves in that way. <laughs> and I mean, and let's not forget, we're in paradise. I mean, the place is just insane. It's Can just, you see why we want to live on the coast now? <laughs> yeah. We're going to check out your beaches and make no mistake. <laughs> no, definitely. It's, you're making me really want to visit Hawaii because funny enough, um, I'm getting married in April of next year and that's where we're going for our honeymoon. So congratulations. Oh congratulations. That's congratulations. Yeah. Oh, so where, where, where are you going to have your honeymoon? We're, we're still deciding. We're just, okay. we know we want to go to Hawaii. So uh, my fiance will be thrilled to know that it's a definite must go. Oh, oh that's is. great. It that's really, great. There is something about Hawaii. Well, well, I'm partial to Oahu because that's where we shot 99% like, of the show. Certain parts. So, yeah, certain parts. Well, of yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. We we'll, talk. Talk. <laughs> yeah. we'll give you our, our, you know, our, our two cents. Our itinerary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we will for tell sure. you. <laughs> well, as, uh, as we start to wrap up here, I did want to reiterate that the two of you will both be at Pensacon, which is May 21st through 23rd at the Pensacola Bay Center. So get your tickets at pensacon.com. And do you have any website or social media you'd like to plug and where can people buy your book? Yeah. Well, my book is, is anywhere you can buy books, basically. But, you know, the obvious places are Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie books, Indie Bound, mm-hmm. and Books a Million. But any bookstore, you can just ask for it and they will get it if they don't already have yeah, it. They'll order it if they don't have it. Mostly will right. order it. Um, and at, at the con. Yeah, we'll be bringing uh, copies of, uh, of the book. And um, yeah, I mean, Amazon's the easiest one for a lot of people, but if, if you want to buy Barnes and Noble, like you said, uh, but we will have copies for people there uh, that Shannon will be signing. And uh, if they want me to sign, I'm happy to sign as well. <laughs> And then would you want to do your social media? Oh, yeah. Well, well, your website as well. Well, okay. So um, my website is shannonkennycarbonell.com. And my Instagram is at newshannonjkc. And I'm at Nestor Carbonell on Instagram and uh, at Carbonell Nestor on Twitter. Fantastic. Well, Thank you both so much for coming on the show and steering, sharing your story. I can't wait to read a copy of the book and looking forward to meeting you guys at Pensacon. We're Thank looking forward so to it. Thank much. you so much, Derek. We appreciate so nice. it. Thanks again to Nestor and Shannon Carbonell for coming on the show to share their story and talk about Shannon's new book, All Is Not Lost. I can't wait to read it. And I can't wait to meet them in person at Pensacon, which, as I mentioned, is May 21st through the 23rd here in Pensacola. And I'll be doing a couple of panels at Pensacon this year on Saturday, May 22nd at the Voices of Pensacola building at 10 a.m. I'll be a part of the Nerd Cave Retro panel with my good friends Jason Robbins and Wally Phelps. And Sunday, May 23rd, also at 10 a.m. at the Voices of Pensacola building is the return of Defending Bad Movies. This year we're calling it Defending Bad Movies 3D, which uh, longtime listeners know what Defending Bad Movies is. If you're new to the show, Uh, Just dig back into the archives and search Defending Bad Movies. You'll hear uh, previous incarnations of the panel. And this year's panel will be recorded as well. And I'll be playing it as an episode of this show in a couple of weeks. So really excited about that. Pensacon's always a fun time and can't wait to see everyone. Because there are some people uh, that I only see at Pensacon. So it'll be like a nice family reunion. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com 
slash ddiamondpodcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. <laughs>